welcome to Autoholics Anonymous by the Autoholic. I'm Stephen Diamond. In this episode, Ryan and I are joined by my brother Aaron in conversation about clutches, Ryan's fleet of cars, and cheap but unique classic cars to get us into vintage racing with. But first, let's find out what Ryan is drinking this week. Ryan. We're on a uh, another Hans Repholz. This is his standard dry Riesling. It's very nice. It's um, the 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 uh, vineyard is called Oconomirat Rebholtz. Um, I highly recommend it. It's a 2018 dry Riesling. They're standard. They're basic wine. It even has like a uh, twist cap, you know. Um, but it's a, a phenomenal. I mean, just de- delicious wine. And I bet in the U.S. you could buy it at like 20 bucks or less. Here in Mexico, it's about 20 25 dollars. But uh, I bet in the U.S. it would probably be less than 20. In Germany, it's an 11 euro bottle of wine. Wow. And it's like, ooh, it smells a little skunky in comparison to what I was just drinking. Let's give it a minute to open up. Yeah, very citric. Um, I would say it smells a little like yeast, actually. A little fresh, young. Yeah, it's not as good as his... Uh, so I was drinking this sparkling wine from 2013. I would say that was quite a bit better than this. Yeah, this is thin in comparison, a little flat, a little bit of like, I don't know, a little like stale tasting in comparison, which is interesting. What are you guys drinking now? Uh, I'm drinking nothing now. I finished my Corona. Oh, that's too bad. So we were having a conversation with our dad yesterday about um, clutch burning (laughs) (laughs) okay please elaborate i'm very excited to hear about this well i mean i think it's him that we get this kind of characteristic (laughs) of (laughs) burning out clutches or just you know riding them a little bit too much um because he uh so he now has a 2018 2017 911 gts cabriolet have you guys driven it Recently? Yeah, driven it once. Oh, only the one time, not only one time. No, but I had a ride in it yesterday. And how did it feel? Good. It feels great as a passenger, and and my dad drives it very smoothly. Um, that that car, it's so fast and so competent. It's like absurd. It is. I, you remember the, the the road behind Bryant? You guys both know this road, right? Yeah. So yep. I drove I drove a Targa GTS on that. He has the Targa or the convertible? No, convertible. Convertible. I drove a Targa GTS on that. Before yours, it was the naturally aspirated, but same generation. Right. And next thing I knew, I was going 80 miles an hour, and I got on the brakes, and, and you know, there was just enough undulation that I had all four wheels locked up for a second, and I said, holy shit, what am I doing? I need to go way slower. <laughs> this is way too fast, but... You, you don't notice it until something yeah. like that happens. because no, you cars... sneeze and you're doing like <laughs> a buck 20. No, it's it's absurd. And and I think just the composure of the car lulls you into a sense of confidence. It, I, it, it... Yeah, I mean, uh, we took some, some back roads to just, you know, normal roads actually, um, just to go pick up some food that we ordered for dinner, um, supporting our local businesses still. And um, <laughs> um, and on these roads, you know, he's driving them in the passenger seat, 
and it just feels so solid and just stuck to the road even as a passenger you can just tell and it's it's just you know it's four-wheel drive but just everything is just so well put together and very well composed wait the gts is four-wheel drive yeah all gts's now are four-wheel drive so was the naturally aspirated one i drove four-wheel drive I forget what year they started. The first gen of the GTSs were not four-wheel drive. The first gen of the 991 GTSs, you mean? Because there right. was a 997 GTS as well. Yeah, the 997 GTSs were not four-wheel drive. I and don't the think the 991.1s were all four-wheel drive. I think it's the 991.2s that are four-wheel drive. I think I drove a 991.1. I'll have to check on that, but I didn't think it was four-wheel drive. Um, the Targas, though, I thought all Targas were four-wheel drive by that point. Maybe you're right. Could were, be. Yeah, all Targas were four-wheel drive by that point. That's incredible. You would never have been driving it without knowing. You would never know it was a four-wheel drive car. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, just... It's a grand tour, I would say. Well, I, I, I don't know about this one. This one I wouldn't call a grand tour. It's a little harsh to take on long drives. Really? Yes, I, I would say so. Congo. Uh, it's I, it's verging on the edge of comfort to be being a little bit too sporty. These are the guys who have a 996 slammed on coilovers with a video game steering wheel and racing seats. So like, take their opinion with a grain we, of we salt. We got rid of the video game steering wheel, but, <laughs> but I mean, it's definitely a lot uh, more of a GT than the 996 on the coilovers. Even the 996 stock, I would say this is more of a GT than that. I would disagree. Really? Okay, I'm totally surprised by that. I, I would never I have thought that. The, the, the suspension, the, the PASMs, whatever it's called, the suspension, so you can make it softer, you can make it harder. Yeah. But it is kind of, I mean, it's such a wide car. It's huge. 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 In terms of just like the overall width. I mean, the rear tires are enormous but i think the biggest thing is is the gearbox gearbox if it was a pdk yes no no but not even like i'm i thought it was such an easy gearbox it is it's like it's really short it's such a short throw and it's a very i mean i've driven i it feels very similar to when i drove uh the gt3 that, that the car club has Oh, wow. I, I thought the gearbox was like playing a video game. Like it was so easy and, and it auto revs on the downshifts. Yeah, that's something yes. you used to. Yeah, and you could turn that off. Yeah, no, I turned it off, but like I kind of liked it to tell you the yeah, truth. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a very... <laughs> <laughs> you um, can just, when you're, when you're going 80 miles an hour on 25 mile an hour back roads, you can focus on the brake pedal. <laughs> like right. the car do the, the rev mashing. Right. Um, uh, it's just, I think it's a tough gearbox to drive smoothly. Like, it's not like you're just throwing it through the gears and, you know, uh, maybe it's just because the 996 is old, but it's not as just cushy as as that gearbox is. I well, 996, Dad likes the, the 996 gearbox, and it's a little sloppy. The 996 gearbox. I kind of like sloppy gearboxes. For I example, kind of like sloppy gearboxes. My E36, I don't know if you remember it, it's a very sloppy gearbox, but it's a car you throw through the gears just like right. super easy. And yeah. I love that about it. Right. And that's not this. This is like you have to be 
on the right here. Choo, 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 choo. Exactly. And you feel yeah. everything. You feel yourself disengaging the clutch, putting in the next gear. And that's not a smooth GT cruising kind of experience that you want to have. Well, I'll say something about this, though. I think when I first drove the car, I thought the same thing. And then I drove it a little more, and I found that the whole thing was so solid. If you if you worked the gas and the clutch well, you could shift just, like, really cleanly. Yeah. Because the whole car is so put together. But I but do think it's a car mean, you need to spend time it, with. It's not a buggy car. No, it's not. Right. It, which is what you're saying. Like, just toss it into the next gear. It's not that kind of car. No, but you need to toss into the next gear because it revs so quickly. You're like, okay, I need to go to this gear, that gear, this gear. Yeah, I know. You should, You end up in fifth gear in like two seconds in that car. Yeah. But um, you should take it out for another drive and uh, enjoy it a little more and tell, give us another, another take on it before the next call. Yeah, I, I mean, I would like to if my dad lets me. Um, He's not so, uh, not so giving on the 911 yet? I'm sure, you know, if I asked, he he would. Um, but he even he still hasn't driven it so much. Um, How many as, miles does he have on it? Oh, I don't know. Um, yeah, he hasn't taken out much. And actually, yesterday when we went out, uh, we drove it. It was maybe like 60 degrees at the high here um, in Connecticut. And uh, we went in the evening, so it was probably like mid-50s or lower. We went out to go pick up food, and uh, we decided to put the top down. And that was the first time he had even driven the car with the top down. Wow. Um, How is it with the top down, though? No buffeting. I would imagine very contained, right? Pretty much. I mean, uh, at first we drove with the, the side windows up and then drove with the windscreen up, the windscreen uh, that comes with it. So you oh, because there are rear seats. There are rear seats, the 911. Yeah, right. Um, so there's a windscreen that that you can automatically pop up, and it does such a good job of keeping the wind out um, from behind your back, uh, over your neck, and it's you pretty much can't tell that the top is open. Um, and then you put it down, and then you feel the rush of wind kind of come up from behind you. Um, but it's nice. And then we drove the rest of the way with the the windscreen down. Until it got so cool. what did you like better, windscreen down or up? I mean, it was a bit on the cooler side, so it was nice to have the windscreen up. Um, but if it was a nice warm day, it'd be nice to have it with the windscreen down. I remember driving with the 911 with Ross mm. from Rhode Island to Connecticut. Or wait, did we drive straight? We met you in New York, didn't mm-hmm. we? Uh, no, no, you met us in Connecticut. We did, right? Yeah, because then I drove down in the W123 back to Brooklyn with you guys. We drove all together to Brooklyn. Yeah. So we stayed in Connecticut for a night? Yeah, you stayed at my apartment for the night. So we met you in Connecticut, and then we all drove together to New York. Yes. I didn't remember that. I I do recall driving down 395 in the 911. The picture on my Instagram with me driving the 911 over 100 miles per hour is on 395. And we had the windscreen up in the back and the windows up. And we were going, I'm not sure if the windows were up or not. I think so. We were going like maybe 110, 120. And it was like so comfortable. And I said, this is phenomenal. I've never driven an open top car at this speed where it was just like nothing, you know? (laughs) 
Oh, that car was a lot of fun. I really did have a good time with it. It, I, it makes me want a 996 very much right now. When I look at the values, 20, 20 grand for a nice 996. I mean, I, I would so if you compare a 20 grand 996 versus that M3 that I told you about, what would you have? 996. Yeah, me too. Any day of the week. I, I don't know why, but I would. And uh, I feel like I got a little short changed because my bosses was a little bit like the suspension was old and, and the tires were old and everything. So I don't know. But uh, at 20 grand, you know, I would, uh, I would very happily have a, uh, I would very happily have a 996. Yeah. I mean, I, like I'm thinking to myself, imagine a stable S8 Range Rover 996 Coupe C2 early E36. Pretty solid, or could be a lot of maintenance. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like maintenance and maintenance. Well, so okay, so the E36 is maybe the most reliable old car I've ever owned. I, I'm gonna knock on wood just because, but truthfully, I mean, I go to Rhode Island, I start the car up, and it just drives. It's it's unbelievable, honestly, really impressive car from that perspective. Yeah, it seems like I mean, I've known BMWs to be pretty reliable. I mean. In the case of if you had a 996, not as reliable. If you had a Range Rover, definitely not reliable. And the Audi, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. I'm I'm divided on the S8 because from one perspective, I feel like it's uh, it doesn't have a lot of tech to it. It's it's pretty basic. It doesn't have a navigation system. It doesn't have any funky things on the inside. No adaptive cruise control, any shit like this. It's like you know more of an old school car, but at the same time, um, it's of the era of electronics becoming a greater part of the car. So, you know, as Ross indicated, I may have some issues pertaining to that. I don't know. Uh, I hope it's great. You know, I have high expectations. I talked to the guy, so I'm buying the S8 from Ken Lingenfelter. And uh, I called him and he goes, yeah, well, you know, your car's in the museum. And he goes, so I got to walk by this fucking car every day. And I think to myself, why am I selling this thing? It's beautiful. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. He said, I love this car. I don't want to sell it. He was a very nice guy uh, to speak with. And uh, so, you know, I think to myself, he's he's got the opportunity to drive a lot of different cars. And he put 40,000 miles in this car. So he must have really enjoyed it. So yeah. it, it makes yeah. me think that it's it's in good condition in a nice car. The one thing that I'm a little peeved about was I didn't notice that there was curb rash on one of the wheels until just now. Um, so it's like, I mean, it doesn't matter really, but like, I hate that. I'm just such a, the car looks like in perfect condition. Right. Except that. that. What's that? You can get that fixed for not much money. You're right. You know, what's a wheel repair? A hundred bucks or something? Yeah. Right. So I'll probably have to do that. And, but, uh, I mean, it looks great. The funny thing was I was comparing it to that M3, and I think the, the S8 looks very old in comparison to an E46 M3, even though they're one year apart. It yeah. looks more yeah. like the W126 generation. You know, it's styling-wise, it's actually very similar to that car. It's a big, boxy car. Yeah. The big box trunk, the big box front, you know, like the kind of almost like a chop top roof for the for the passenger compartment yeah it's a very good looking car too 
No, it is. Uh, since I was a kid, I was obsessed with it. I told, I don't know if Stephen told you this, Aaron, but when, when I was a kid, my dad worked in a office complex in Woodcliffe Lake, New Jersey, and Audi of North America's headquarters was in that same office complex. Yep. I've driven by it. What's that? I've driven by it. That's okay, yeah, yeah. And so he, he made friends with the guys at Audi North America, and so on weekends, he would talk them into giving, you know, he drove an Audi, at the, he had a new Audi at the time. He'd say, hey, give me one of your test cars. I'll drive, I'm going on a trip this weekend. Let me take it on the trip. I'll put miles on it for you. So we drove an Allroad. We had an A6 4.2. We had like an S4, a bunch of things. And then the one I remember the most was an A8L with like those, I don't know if you recall, it had these like flat wheels, very like particular looking wheels. I'll show you guys real quick because it's a great looking car. One of the guys in my dad's office had an A8 of the same generation, um, and our uncle has had A8s and A8Ls, I think even S8s. Yeah, those. <laughs> I'm going to send the image to the Skype here so you guys can see it. So he brought this car home one day, and uh, I was, like, absolutely floored by it. I remember as a kid, I thought it was the coolest thing, and it just it was so stretched out. It looked awesome. It had those those wheels really accentuated the looks, um, and we drove in it. And, you know, I was in the back seat at the time. I was so young. I wasn't even sitting in the front, and it was a great car. I, I remember it vividly. So I've liked the car since then. But the S8 is actually the short wheel base. Yes. And you said your uncle has had the A8 and the A8L. Did he have an S also or no? I don't know. I'd have to ask him if he had all of them. I would assume so. But he's always had A8s for the most part. It's either A8s or A6s, S6s. Um, those have been his go-to cars. So what does he say about them? I didn't ask him about them. He loves them, I think. I mean, I remember he had a lot of electrical issues with them. <laughs> right. That's the one thing that I'm worried about. Exactly that. And I know from uh, one of the guys in my dad's office used to have an A8 of that generation. Now, he had an A8 of that generation many years after, not, not like today, but many years after it came out. And that car, I remember, had maybe 160, 180,000 miles on it. A lot of miles. A lot of miles, and this car was on its last legs. It was, like, the the readouts on the screen, because all the readouts in Audis are red, like a red crystal display. You could barely yeah. read anything. I yeah, yeah, those go on, right. Car. I actually detailed and cleaned up his car, and there was like some, the, the mirror caps were falling off and were rusty and weird things because it's an aluminum body, so it wasn't rusty in the right areas. <laughs> right, right, exactly. It's all aluminum, which is interesting, right? Yeah, and the airbag suspension wasn't working properly, so you you'd pull out of the driveway and go like bumps and everything it was terrible oh right because that one had air suspension this luckily the s8 that is non-air it's regular suspension so hopefully although i have to admit i have a sneaking suspicion i'm in for for new shocks because you know it's sixty thousand miles in this many years and i don't have any records of them having been replaced so they're probably due 
We'll just have to get a set of Bilstein HDs because they seem to do it for all these cars. Yeah, those are the way to go. Yeah, they are. Which you guys have on on the 400E? Yeah. And you have on your 300D. Yep. And I have on my one one two six, and they, they were always just great. Bilstein HDs on big cars are the way to go. They're on every single car of ours. Yeah. They're on the Vigan too. Really, you have HDs on the Vigan. You didn't get, you didn't get the V6s? I don't believe they're the V6s. I think they're the V8s. Yeah, they. The V8s are the HDs. I didn't know that. I assumed you got the B6s. No, the HDs are great. I mean, I, so I, I assume that I have a, a set of HDs in my future, and I imagine for that car, they're going to be a little more pricey than others. Possibly. But uh, now that I have a few suspension changes under my belt, I feel confident that I can probably do that myself. <laughs> I've done the BMW, I've done the Miata, and now I could probably do this one. Did now you guys do the HDs on the Vigan, or they came with it? They came, came with it. Have I, you guys done suspension changes? Uh, besides oh. control arms and bushings, no. The, the, the most fun is compressing the springs, I, I yeah. will say. Now, I did, I did, I mean, I have to, with the Vigan, you have to change. I've done both of the top hats. And you have to compress the springs to do it? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Otherwise, the, the shock would just go shooting out the bottom. Yeah, that's, yeah right. that's when I found out that they were Bilstein's in the front. Aha, uh -huh, okay. Yeah, I, you guys remember when I was working on my Miata Springs when we were working on the car, I, and, and Josh goes, he takes, this is great, our friend takes the impact wrench, he stands on the on the Miata Spring, and he goes, you don't need to compress this, don't be a bitch, and just, vroom, just impact wrenches the top hat off the Miata Springs, and the whole thing goes poof. And, and it just explodes. The top hat goes in one direction, the shock goes in the other direction. I mean, he had a, he had a little more balls than us about that. I, I would probably stick to the spring compressors next time. I mean, it's so much pressure, right, from these springs, especially imagine something like an S8. That must have big, heavy-duty springs on it. Oh, yeah. So apparently good shops, they have a tool where you put it in, and it's just like a hydraulic thing, and you just press it down and it compresses the springs and you don't have to deal with that. Like, you know, the tool I'm talking about where you have to yep. tighten those bolts. It's like a nightmare. Yeah. 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 When are you going to pick up the car? Well, I'm thinking, so they're saying that the quarantine's going to run through the rest of this month. I'm thinking that maybe assuming, hopefully, you know, we're better at the end of this month, maybe for my birthday, I'll go out there and pick it up. May 7th. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. Meanwhile, I'm about to spend two grand on the fucking car, and I haven't even seen it because I'm going to get the timing belt and shit done. And uh, so I feel a little bad about that, but I also feel like I can't drive it home without doing that because it's just stupid to, to put a thousand miles or whatever on the car with, you know, ticking time bomb. Yeah. What would you guys do? Probably that. Yeah, I, I've learned that it's best to just do everything on the car you probably should do in the beginning rather than dragging it on. Because it's worse later. Right. Especially something like a timing belt. Yes. Yeah. So, okay. So back to the last topic of this podcast, which is 
We want to be involved with classic car races, classic car shows, events, etc. We're young, we don't have a lot of money. What car can we buy to get us into that? Now, Stephen, you had a great idea. You text me back immediately with a with an idea. So tell us about it. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's it's a great answer, but I, I you know, and we've talked about it. Uh, I think during the Historics Fest a little bit, um, but it's also been done kind of by some good friends of mine already. But you know, I, I said immediately a sob. Uh, Who's done it that you know? The Zurich Classic Motors, which is in uh, Gowanus, Brooklyn, uh, they have. Uh, 99 EMS. Yeah, Mark has Mark Skimmer, the owner. He has a uh, 99 EMS that's in gorgeous, clean shape. It's a I forget the name of the orange, but it's a gorgeous. Orange. Oh, I know what you're talking about. What is the name? It's a good name, the orange, by the way. Yeah. Um, and uh, so he has that, and that's a great car. And then they also turned another 99 into a rally car. Um, and it's phenomenal. They did a great job with it. It's pretty, it's kind of ratty, but in a great way. And it will be at the bridge uh, this this next year. Right. So your point is that if someone's already done it, why are they going to accept ours? Because they already have that one. And right. you don't need more than two Saab, you don't need more than one Saab 99. No. But so, okay, Saab 99 is out. I didn't see any other cheap cars there when I when I perused through. The Saab 99 probably would be the cheapest car there. 100%. I mean, what else? Then? What else would be? Big thing to think about is what year is considered a classic. So start with that. I would say 60th through 79. And then you, yeah, you, you go through that. And I mean, the car doesn't have to necessarily be like pristine, perfect necessarily. You can go about it in a different route. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's that's yeah. what I was saying. If it's a car that we race with also, I think that will give us some kudos. People will like, hey, you race this car, you take it to events, etc. They'll let us in. So I agree with what you're saying, Aaron. I think any, you can go easily anyway. Um, I think... Swedish cars are cheap and appreciated and would be loved at you know these events. Like maybe we could take um, um, a P1800, Volvo P1800, and turn that into like some sort of race car or something. You could pick one up for like 12 or a clean one for like a super nice clean one, probably for up to 20. Did you um, do? Did you do a look on these? I did not. I'm going to do it right based now. Based on my general knowledge, I love the P1800 coupe. Me too. I would have one of those in a heartbeat. Um, so I think that's an easy route to do, and you're sticking with the Swedes there. I think also any older British car you can pick up for cheap, and it will be appreciated as long as you're willing to always work on it and have it not work half of the time. So like what? Give me an example of something that's cheap. Like MG any midget, yeah, MGB. I would love to race like an MGB GT. But it, is an MGB is that actually like unique? I feel like there are a, a lot of people with MGBs. Yeah, it's true. Um, I mean, if you're, trying, if you're looking at something, I don't know that you're necessarily looking for something unique. You can always look at something that's a little bit more mainstream and make it more unique your own. Um, case in point. Zurich's 99 rally car. It's just no, but I I think that's 99. pretty unique. How many people have restored 99s? I think that's a very 
uh, uh, slim, slim market, so to speak. Yeah, it's not as popular as yeah. some other areas, but I know there's a lot of guys. And I mean, Triumphs. Yeah. Whether it's a TR4, TR6. But a lot of people have done TR4s, and so. Yeah, MGB. MG, I mean, MG Midget, Austin Healy Sprite. One thing I will propose is that I do think we're verging towards an era where, like, something like an RX-7 or early, like, Japanese cars would be accepted. Do a Honda Civic. I agree with you. A very clean, very early car, like the original Civic, for example. Yeah. I think that would be cool. And um, What's that? And N- yeah. Right. No, that would be cool. I, I, I do agree. But it, to be honest, I'm not quite as into that, into racing something like that. Right. What about a Volvo like 142? Is that old enough? An Amazon? Yeah, like a one an Amazon or a uh, or a 144. Those are definitely old enough. How old are the 140 series though? The 140 is 66, they're 74. I think we, so look, I think a Volvo 140 series could be possible, by the way. Yeah. Do you guys know these? I'll show you a picture. We're looking them up now. I would call them the Saab 99s of Volvo. Yeah, yeah agree, but I think they're less, uh, less popular, even. Yeah, that's, that's after the Amazon. I mean, you're talking like, you know, I think the the uh, unloved Ford Cortina. Yeah, I mean, get a right. Ford it, it actually, but I wouldn't. The the Ford Cortina is not unloved. Right. No, I'm saying the Ford Cortina is loved. This is the unloved. Right, but it's Ford essentially Ford. the same thing. It even looks ex- the same. Right. Actually. Exactly. That's yeah. why I said it. <laughs> and that's interesting. Knows. Would someone let us in with one of those? I think so. You know what else they would let us in with, by the way? A 114. The E-Class before yours, Stephen. Oh. You know, yes. And I could, I could, I know one that's sitting in someone's uh, yard, a manual uh, 220D that we could buy. <laughs> how, how bad is it? Is it like totally destroyed? It's, you know, the body's okay. Uh, it's not completely rusty. Um, it's in okay shape. It's in good restorable shape. Um, okay, so I'm gonna put I'm gonna put a few of these in a in a document. I want to note these down because I think a is that a 115 or 114? What are those called? They verge. The early ones are early half of that generations are 114s. Or actually, I think maybe Europe only got 114s, and I think US were more 115s. So Mercedes, and I think those, you could have one for less than 10K. Oh, yeah. I mean, the one that I am thinking of off the top of my head, we could get for like a grand, which is too much for what it's actually the shape it's in. Um, I think the same for the Volvo 142, 144. What about the, uh, so I would love a Saab uh, 96, by the way. I think that's such a cool car. It is. What about one of those? What do those go for? I think six thousand or so, maybe more. Depends on if you can find it. A few pop up on Bring a Trailer. 
I'm looking. I'm bringing a trailer right now to see what they went for. Saab 96. Oh, they're cheap. But, you know, Full Nelson Racing had a 96, right? Did they race at Lemons? Yes, that was ninety six. That was. I think it was ninety six or ninety four. Oh, dude, in ninety six they're super cheap. You could have a nice one for ten grand, approx. And who wouldn't who wouldn't take a Saab ninety six? That's such a cool car. It is. I feel like it's a little bit more popular than, you know, like the the older Volvos, which we're talking gotta about. Gotta know how to work on that car. <laughs> yeah, you gotta know how to work on a ninety six for sure. Yeah, I agree. Isn't it air cooled? No, just the early ones are air-cooled, right? Or no, yeah, they're all air-cooled. That, they're all air-cooled. That's a V4. The no, it's an inline three. What? Isn't it? This one says it's an inline three. I don't know. I think it is a V4, though. That sounds familiar, Aaron. Let's see, 73. Yeah, that's it. That's interesting, though. I bet we could get a 96 at a... Uh, yeah, this one says a V4. The later ones were a V4. Earlier ones were inline threes. Yeah. Um, and I like the shifter on the column. You know, that's like pretty unique, pretty oh, period. That would be annoying on the racetrack. I think it would be kind of cool. I've seen videos of people doing that. Uh, did it in the 60s. Okay, so Saab 96. So what American? 60s American. Give me an example. It's not already done up. I've always loved the, um, what is it? The Ford, no, no, uh, Dodge Dart. I love the older Dodge Darts. So I think that American muscle cars like that, we are not the first guys to do this. This is already done. And I think they're all worth a lot of money now. Now, Maybe I'm wrong. That's just my perception. No, darts. No, what did... um... You're thinking a Dodge Dart 342. I know what you're talking about. They're super cool. Uh, Coronet? Uh Coronets are pretty cool, too. I mean, there's a lot of quirky ones that you can get into. I mean, you can do Ford Galaxy, which is IE. I love, by the way, just saying, Aaron, I think the Galaxies are fucking awesome. Because yeah, they, they're just I these big cars. They have such, IE. like, a, a low-rider look. IE. Yeah, Galaxy. IE. Galaxy 500. Yes. No, that that's a very cool car. I agree with you. And they're, they're not expensive, the Galaxies. No. And a lot of people used them as race cars back in the day, too. It's true. They were historically race cars. Did you guys just send an image? Uh, no. Steven, I think, did. Falcon. Galaxy Falcon is a smaller one. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, Falcon would be kind of cool. Yeah, no, it's true. There, You see these galaxies sold for 10K or so, you know? Yeah, I mean, look at this one. If you want to get something gonna... unlocked, get a Mustang, too. Here, look at this. I'm going to send you the link for this one. 12K, I mean, what a cool car. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's different routes you can go with in terms of getting a car for vintage racing. I mean, if you're getting into vintage racing, you still have to go into um, yeah, Galaxy 500. It's a cool car. Yeah, they're less than 20 grand Galaxies. Absolutely. You know what I was thinking about was Stephen and I saw these guys racing in uh, in Laguna Seca, these really lightweight, low-powered Lotuses. And they were from the 60s Lotus race cars. I wasn't familiar with them prior to that. They were so cool. I mean, really, really neat cars. 
And um, I, I don't know. Like Lotus Elvas or? Something like that, exactly. I, I don't know the models so well. And I don't even know what they would go for. But uh, I, I am I'm looking on Bring a Trailer right now to see Lotus if anything not an Elan. Elan's, uh, I wasn't thinking an Elan. And Elan's, by the way, aren't so cheap. No. Those are already appreciated, I would say. Well, anything a Lotus is going to be. Oh, wow. The Lotus 11 was what we saw. And I'm seeing one right now for 147. I didn't think they were so much money. It's really impressive. The ones that almost look like a D-type? Yes, that's exactly it. Those are 11s. Yeah, no, they're expensive. I didn't know that. You know, if you want to definitely be able to get into the bridge with a car, you buy yep. Jeffrey Eyehorn's uh, two, two, what is it? He has a, uh, what does he sign? 250 TE wagon. Yeah, the 123 wagon. W123 gasser wagon turn it into a race car yeah he'd hate you <laughs> so i'm with you but i'm of the belief maybe that a one two three is a little too new for events like that still maybe i think maybe a 114 115 is a great route to go because nobody's appreciating those cars right now and they have such a classic look they do yeah no they're very nice i sent you a picture of the one that i checked out once Where'd you send it to? My phone? Yeah, your phone. I said to Mike that he should work with us to make a video on the three generations of M5. Oh, yeah. We should totally get him on a, on a podcast. No, but we needed a video which involves us driving all three of his M5s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did. So did you resend it? Yeah, I resent it. And it actually started up. Oh, now I got it. Oh, wow, this thing is a real piece of shit. We would have to do a lot of work on it. It would need new headliner, good power washing. You know, that's not a terrible idea, though, because it's so simple. You look at the engine like there's nothing to it. No, yeah. It's a diesel, though. Yeah, four-cylinder diesel. Four-cylinder non-turbo diesel. Like, that's got to be the easiest <laughs> engine to work on in history. I mean, show Aaron the picture of that motor. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's tiny. Carburetor, right? No, no. No, these are direct. Oh, yeah. The thing is, Stephen, though, there is a little more rust than you lead me to believe. I think if you power wash this car, you'd lose a lot of fucking sheet metal. <laughs> I'm not kidding. The rockers are in better shape than my car. No, but like, for example, on the picture of the rocker you took, I don't know if that's the rocker, the, not the last, like, so go to the last picture and then one, two, three, four in. If you power washed, you might blow all that shit off. Yeah. I mean, that's a, I think it's a rear bumper or quarter panel uh, behind the wheel well. Does the, does the back door close correctly or no? Looks like there's a problem with the back door. I think it does. Maybe we just didn't shut it all the way. Yeah, but white with blue interior, that's a very classic color combo for those. Well, listen, I think the point of this conversation, we're not going to come to a conclusion right now, but I think we should we should keep our eyes out for this because it's something that, that I'd like to be involved in. Yeah. So it's yeah. something we should think about. So uh, anyway, well, listen, I think that maybe wraps up the podcast for today. Yeah. 
Well, listen, good talking to you, boys. That's yeah. a, that's a wrap to the Autoholic podcast number three, four, or five. Here with Stephen Diamond, which is at s.m.diamond36. No? Uh, at bring defunct back. Oh, bring defunct back. Underscore back, yes. Underscore back. Bring at bring defunct underscore back. With a K. Yeah, with a K. With a K on Instagram. Aaron Diamond, what do you, where, what's your handle? Uh, Ruby D underscore photo. At Ruby D fo- underscore photo on Instagram. And uh, I'm at the dot autoholic uh, on Instagram and on, on Twitter. So anyway, thank you guys very much. Thanks again for listening to Autoholics Anonymous by The Autoholic. Stay safe, but don't forget to drive fast and take chances. Cheers. Introduction music by Stephen Diamond. Thank you.